Welcome to Weighing In on Happy, the only podcast that dives deep into discussions around weight, eating disorders, mental health, body image, intuitive eating, wellness, confidence, and so much more. Each week, you'll be coached through different stories and strategies on how to start living your best life today. So if you're ready, here's your host, Victoria Evans. Hey, you guys, welcome back to Weighing and Unhappy. I'm Victoria Evans, an intuitive eating coach, and I am super excited to be joined today by Kate Rich. So welcome to the podcast, Kate. Thanks for having me, Victoria. So Kate, you're an award-winning Canadian entrepreneur. You're a speaker, a TV personality, and a world traveler. So you've done so much in such a short period of time. And before you hopped on here, literally just saying how now you're back in Vancouver and you've been all over the world. You've done so many things. You have an amazing business. And kind of how did you get to this point? Like, how did you become this amazing woman that we see before us today? Well, first of all, thank you for the lovely compliments. Uh, second of all, I think, I think it's so important when people look at my Instagram, which you know, it's the rich coach. If you want to, while you're watching, you know, you'll see all these beautiful travel photos and, you know, you'll see me in Singapore and you'll see me traveling with my own photographer. And it's easy to, it's easy to think like, how did she get there? And how is it possible for me to, you know, be in a business that is making as much in a month as a lot of people make in a year? And how would it ever be possible? So I think it's really important for me to share my story and the struggle that actually Mm -hmm. brought me here because I've come to this incredible freedom, but it didn't, it didn't come without the journey behind. So to answer your question, Victoria, it started out back in the day when I was a speechwriter for the Canadian government, sitting at my desk, stressed AF in a really high profile position that had a lot of pressure. And I should have loved it. It was one of those things. And maybe some of your listeners can relate. I was like, I had the perfect life. I had the house and the car and the dog and the boyfriend and, you know, the best job that you could get in your first couple of years out of university or, you know, kind of the pillar and the the pinnacle, I should say, for some people of where they get to in their careers. And I should have been happy. And I got more and more depressed. I gained weight and eventually I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and, I was at the point where I was so weak from my rheumatoid arthritis that I actually couldn't even hold a frying pan. And I was told that within five years, I'd most likely be on permanent disability for the rest of my life. So you can imagine as a 23-year-old or whatever I was, somebody really ambitious who had a lot of big dreams, you can imagine how debilitating it would be to, to get that kind of prognosis for your life. And so for me, I, I simply, I just knew that wasn't going to work for me. And so I, ha- I knew I had to find another way. I had to find a way to be well. I had to find a way to pursue my ambitions in a way that gave me the time freedom and the energy freedom. And so I'm, I sold all my stuff. I moved to Australia. I ended my relationship. I quit the job. And I started to discover, like, what does actual freedom look like? And mm. I started to create the program over time, over a course of many years, I started to create the program that I teach now that teaches women how how to have time, how to have energy, how to have the money, and also how to have location flexibility. So it was through really hard learned lessons, basically my own necessity of having to learn how to do that in order to basically exist and fulfill fulfill my potential. Um, But, you know, that was just one of, of so many hardships. I originally 
started my coaching business with my partner and he left and he took the business and didn't pay me out for an entire year as a business partner in that business. So there were so many things along the way. There was illness. There were times where I was broke and I had no money. There were times where I was emotionally devastated. There were all the things. And that's all part. Those are all of the sort of failures, if you like, that actually create the success. So that's a little bit about me and my story. And, you know, I think it's so important for your listeners to recognize that every single person that they see who appears to have immense success, they're only seeing the tip of that iceberg. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so many people look at like, you know, like, oh, you live in Bali or you, for you, you travel the world and yeah, on Instagram it looks like everything is beautiful and amazing, but you know, there is a behind the scenes and even for you being 23 years old and this job you thought was going to be your dream job and then being, you know, understanding like in a few years I might be on disability and, you know, we're talking to you now and you're not on disability and you're, you know, you're free and traveling the world. So kind of what did that mindset shift look like for you going out of almost kind of, I know for myself, I would feel very like a, a victim, you know, like, why is this happening to me? I have everything I want. Why am I still unhappy? How did that shift kind of come about? What that looked like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. At first, honestly, I felt a lot of guilt that I wasn't happy with what I have. And I know probably there are lots of people who are listening who, who are thinking, all my friends and family think I should be happy. You know, I'm doing so well externally, but on the inside, it's just not aligned. So for me, I think the first thing was recognizing that even though what I had might be great for some people, it didn't mean that it was aligned with me. So that was the first thing I had to get really clear that what, what was actually aligned with me, what I actually wanted for my life was different than what everybody said I should have. So the mindset was really, first of all, I always say, don't shit on yourself. Like don't shit on yourself, but don't shit on yourself. Like there are no shoulds in life, literally none. And so that was the biggest mindset shift. I had to get over the fact that a lot of people would ask me why the fuck I was quitting this incredible job that like literally in order to get this job, they spent two hours on the phone with each of my references because I had no experience and they were trying to give me the job because they liked me. And, you know, I had gone through so many steps and hoops to get this job. I had literally gone and got a master's degree in that field. I had worked for free for two years. Like I had done all the things to get into this job. So for me, releasing the fact that I should be doing this, that because I, it's kind of like, I said, I wanted this and I created it. So now why am I such an ungrateful bitch, (laughs) right? But it's getting used to the fact that you're learning new information about yourself always in your life. And it's simply a matter of continuing to get back in alignment with what feels right for you no matter what other people have to say. So it was really finding like my own true North and learning to stick to that. Mm-hmm. And how did you, how did you find that was like, what that was for you? You know, like you're in that space, you're diagnosed with that, you're looking at your life and then you okay, this is not it. This is not what I'm aligned with. So what was that first step for you? For someone maybe who is thinking I'm stuck in my life right now, I'm not happy. I don't feel aligned. Like where do they turn to What's their next step? I wish that I even knew about coaching as a profession when I was in that stage. So I did it the hard way. I literally spent probably a good solid three years feeling like I was walking around in the dark, bumping into things. And I am the perfect type for bruising (laughs) all parts Mm -hmm. of my body on the corner of furniture. Like that's what my life felt like. It felt like I was just walking into things and 
throwing shit at the wall and hoping it would stick and it wouldn't stick. And I just got more and more frustrated. Um, But at the end of the day, the first part was asking myself, like, what am I willing to accept? And I realized I wasn't willing to accept what the doctor told me. I wasn't willing to accept that I couldn't have what I wanted. So the first step for me was sitting in the mess of the frustration and the sadness. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of angst. And then actually looking at, okay, am I willing to believe this? Am I willing to let all of this be true? Am I willing to let my life be limited? Am I willing to see myself as somebody who is sick? Or am I willing to see myself as the person who's going to go out there and create opportunity? And that's the choice that I made. So I got on a plane to Australia, even though I was sick. And, um, you know, I had been a journalist in the past. So I came to Australia to work as a journalist. And I committed to spending that next 12 months becoming the best version of me. I started going to bed at nine o'clock and every night I started getting up and going to, you know, whatever fitness classes that I could do six days a week rigorously um, to the best of my ability, even though I was sick. I cut out almost everything from my diet except for vegetables and like Mediterranean style. Um, You know, I cut out everything that was an inflammatory food. I got really hardcore about getting aligned with being well. And it was a really hard journey to go alone. I wish that I knew there were people like you, for example, who can help people through disordered eating. I wish that I knew there were people like me who could show you how to create that time and energetic freedom and that I hadn't had to, to, to go it the hard way. So yeah. Did that answer your question or did I, did I lose the plot on that one? Mm -hmm. No, I think it's really important. So people, you know, they don't necessarily have that next step. They don't know where to look. And sometimes it is, looking for a coach. Sometimes it's finding someone who's gone a few steps before you in the journey and, or even just looking outwards and understanding like there's places you can learn, there's things you can, you know, take away from other people's journeys. Maybe it's not a coach, maybe it's a book, maybe it's some kind of outside resource, um, but understanding you're never really stuck. Like you're never really alone in that journey. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that, if, you know, even if everything in their life seems like it's falling apart, it's the end, that's the opportunity for a new beginning. That's opportunity to find. Yeah. Yeah. It's opportunity to look forward and say, how do I want to live my life? If I got my, if I had my magic wand, you know, this is kind of a cheesy analogy I use a lot with my clients, but like, if I had my magic wand, if nobody was ever going to be a no to me, if there was no expectation of what I should do, if I could literally have anything, what would I choose? And don't get hung up on the what, like I'm going to be a web designer or I'm going to have a digital marketing agency or, or, or not getting caught up in what you're going to be doing, but the experience of life you want to have and then go create the career or the business or, you know, whatever it is that's going to allow you to live the life that you want and have the experience of life that you want. Hmm. And I know for myself, when it came to understanding what next steps were, looking at what I had done. So, you know, university and the career I was in and not thinking about it as a loss. So a lot of people sometimes are like, Hey, this is not what I want to do. And then they look at like, I've wasted this time, but understanding sometimes doing different jobs and doing different things in your life kind of sets you up to understand what you do want to do and what you do want to feel. And so, you know, I used to be like, Oh, I hated my job. So what did you not like about it? what is something you do want to do in your life in terms of what feels good to you? What's the life you want to create? And 
looking at your past experiences as the opportunity to kind of set up the rest of your life instead of something as lost time. I think that's such a great point because so many people get stuck in the guilt about the way it went in the past or their disillusions with how it's gone or they don't believe because they have evidence that they either aren't capable or haven't delivered on their goals. They use that as as a measurement of what they're capable of in the future. But the best indication of what's possible in the future is what you're doing right now. It's not what you did two years ago, five years ago, five minutes ago. It's what you choose and recommit to every single moment. Your goals are like a marriage, right? It's like, you know, you don't get married and then all of a sudden you're happy, happy, love, love land forever, right? You get married and a marriage is a promise to wake up every single day and recommit to each other. And when you have a goal, it's the same thing. Setting your goal, creating the accountability for that goal, hiring a coach even. These are all things that are like you taking that next step in the marriage. And just because you've started, even once you start to achieve the results, it's not like, oh, well, I hit the results. So now like I'm there, you know, like you'll always be building. You'll always be learning. You'll always have the next goal. You're never going to get there. And so I think what you said about just acknowledging that all of this is what has given you the skills, the resilience, um, the familiarity with failing, which is really important and like not getting attached to it, letting it go. All of these things are important in terms of being successful in the next thing you want to do. And I think as well, releasing so much of the emphasis on the outcome and placing more emphasis on enjoying the journey. Because if we become so fixated on like, hey, this is what I want to do with my life. This is the end goal. Then sometimes we end up rushing the part of where we're actually living to get to that place. And then when we get to that place, we can't even really enjoy it because we never enjoyed anything along the way. And so if you're able to break down and, you know, understand what you want to enjoy in each day, what you want to understand, like what is each moment bringing you joy and then build a life from that space instead of I'm going to be happy when X or I'm going to be successful when Y and placing so much on the end instead of enjoying the journey. That's something I'm really working through. And I know in your coaching program, um, you talk a lot about kind of changing your mindset and creating a life of freedom. And can you kind of speak to that a little bit at all when it comes to yeah, focusing a little bit less on the destination, enjoying the actual process. It's a really cheesy kind of saying that you should enjoy the journey on the way to the destination. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give you the science behind why that's true, because I think this is so important for people who are listening to actually understand this. Victoria, if I gave you a winning lotto ticket and you won the lotto 649 and you won $10 million tomorrow, Six to 12 months, yeah, sure, you'd be fucking pumped. You'd be like, I'm going to go buy that car and I'm going to take mom on a holiday and I'm going to do this and that and I'm going to build my business. Six to 12 months from now, you would return to exactly your level of happiness right now. That's called your happiness set point. Everybody has a natural happiness set point and about 40 to 60% of that is determined by genetics. In other words, when you get to that goal, you know, let's give you an example. You know, we have this $60,000 a month revenue goal to get to by this December. We surpassed that months ago. And when we got there, we were like, yay. But I remember two years ago when a $10,000 a month was like almost impossible. It was so exciting, right? And you get to this next goal and it just becomes normal. 
you know, I caught myself closing $35,000 of sales in a couple of days and just getting up and going, you know, making my tea like nothing had changed. And that's the point is when people get, when people don't enjoy the process that they're in, when they don't enjoy the day-to-day of what they're doing, it, you don't have enough motivation to continue doing something you don't like long enough to be a success at it. And if you do make it to that marker, as soon as you, as soon as that new normal has, like, as soon as that new, as soon as that goal turns into the new normal, you'll be like, what was all this for? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? And then you'll find that you're disillusioned. So there's an actual science of how our brain functions around happiness. That means that if you don't know how to be happy now, you're not going to know how to be happy when you get there. Mm -hmm. And I know I always think about the, the concept of foreboding joy. So Brene Brown talks about this idea, like, you know, I can't celebrate just in case, or you don't want to jinx it. And then it, it ends up like we never actually celebrate those moments. We're never actually happy in the process because, well, what if, you know, the sales went through, but maybe, you know, they're going to cancel their card in two months and the next one's not going to go through. And we forebode that joy. We don't actually allow ourselves to experience it, which means that we never really experience it because when is it ever a good time to celebrate and not worry about the other shoe dropping? So then, yeah, we can get to that point where we do achieve the goal, but then because we've never allowed ourselves to actually celebrate the little wins or the milestones along the way, we can't actually enjoy and sit into that goal. Um, And so for you, how do you celebrate those small moments? How do you step into that each day so that it doesn't get to that point where you get to the end of the line? You're like, what was the point of it? It's being committed to a bigger vision. You know, it's great to set a financial goal. Like our business is going to do a hundred thousand a month or our business is going to do a thousand dollars a month or whatever. It's great to set a financial goal, but if you don't have a deeper purpose for why you're doing what you're doing, It becomes really difficult to keep going when things get hard, but also to keep going once your happiness adjusts to that new set point. So a few things for me, I am always looking to my 10-year vision. I am always looking to my five-year vision, to my one-year vision. And anytime that I win, I always go, okay, well, how how did that take me one step closer to this you know, big, hairy, audacious, audacious goal, as it's called. How did, how did it get me closer to that one thing? And then I always take the time out to celebrate, but I also tell people that I'm celebrating because one thing I know is that, again, as soon as success or hyper-success becomes your new normal, you kind of forget to celebrate. Like you just, you, and I did, I caught myself in it last week, you know, like I closed, I closed 20 grand in sales in the same day. And then all of a sudden I was just going about my day. And I was like, you know what, actually, I'm going to go get a facial now (laughs) and I'm going to take the rest of the night off because like, that was awesome. And I think that's the thing is people don't have rewards and wins structured into their life. So I actually have structures for rewarding myself so that I can't forget. For example, I do what's called an evidence journal. So I don't do this as regularly as I did once because now I'm really habituated to even like doing it in my head at the end of the day. But I used to, every day for two years, I used to close out my day by writing down all the ways that I won. And they were little tiny things like I got out of bed when my alarm rang instead of hitting snooze. I um, wanted to quit after 20 sit-ups, but I did 21. I picked up the phone and called five people, even though they were all a no. I, you know, 
went out and introduced myself to somebody who had no idea who I was and was like a really big deal. And I felt really nervous to do that. Or, you know, I accomplished three of the things on my to-do list, or even I accomplished nothing and I didn't judge myself for it. Like that's a win too. When you reframe what it means to win, to me, winning is practicing a new way of being. So that might be, you might win at getting rejected a hundred times in a row. That could be a win, right? You could win at, um, you could win at simply getting up each out of bed in the same day time each day. There's so many things you can win at, but if you don't have a structure to win, um, it's hard to remember to do that. And it's also hard to, to reframe. It's kind of like when I do a goal, what I call a flight plan with my clients. So when we create their 12 month vision to their destination, we actually incorporate small, medium and large rewards into that flight plan. As they're setting, they actually have already written out the goals for when they hit those milestones. So they know like, okay, when my business gets to $5,000 a month in income, I'm going to book myself a safari and take my parents on a holiday. Or, you know, when I, when I make those first three phone calls, I'm really uncomfortable with, I'm going to go and have a, a drink with my girlfriends and celebrate all the ways that I stepped out of my comfort zone. So they actually have small, medium and large rewards written into their milestones so then they know, okay, well, I just hit that milestone. So now, now this is what I got to go do. I got to go reward myself. I love that. And I think, yeah, it's so important to focus on that and focus on the rewards because otherwise, yeah, our default setting of our brain is to fixate on the negative, you know, it's a survival technique. And so until we literally force ourselves to look at the positive and allow ourselves to enjoy that experience, then we're never going to really do it. So I love that you build that in with your clients. I think that's absolutely essential. Mm. Yeah. And the person who's always celebrating stuff has the most magnetic, beautiful energy. And that's, that's the thing. The momentum of taking action builds confidence and it also creates results and those results create energy. And it's important to keep the momentum of that energy going because that's what brings new people into your sphere. That's what has you being the person who's good enough, good enough in quotations to have the opportunity that you really, really want. So if you can consider it like a mandatory service to yourself to give yourself that reward, to keep up the momentum of that positive energy for yourself you know, I, I consider it part of my job. It is literally a mandated part of my job description to go out into the world and celebrate what I've created. Mm-hmm. I think there's a huge fixation um, when it comes to like around self-care and stuff. You know, it's like people think that they have to wait until it's too late to celebrate almost like it's like, oh, I'm falling apart. I'm going to have a face mask. But it's <laughs> like, consciously at choosing to build into your life, those wins and those, you know, allowing yourself to actually enjoy yourself. It doesn't have to be dependent on you about to break down, like focusing on the negative and celebrating that. And it doesn't make people selfish. It doesn't, I think people have a hard time allowing themselves to reward themselves. Do you find that with your clients? Yes. And I even find that people have often, often that's a money or money barrier for people in investing in their own personal development is that they never spend any money on themselves, let alone spending two, three, five, ten thousand dollars on something that's just for them. For a lot of people, that's unheard of and that's super selfish. But what people often forget is when you're on an airplane, you know where this is going. <laughs> Nobody says, you know, help everyone put on their oxygen masks and then put yours on. No, you're already fucking dead. 
put on your own oxygen mask, do your own self-care, reward yourself, take care of yourself first. And that's what allows you to be that person. Whether you are a sister, a wife, a friend, a partner, whoever you are, a business owner who has clients, you, your people get the best of you when you've actually maintained consistent self-care. That's mm-hmm. the foundation. For most people who are overwhelmed and stuck in their life and business, a large part of it comes down to inadequate structures for self-care um, and, and not looking after their well-being. Yeah. I always like kind of flip to my clients where it's like self-care itself should not take that time. Yeah. You're not able to show up for anyone else in your life, especially yourself, if you don't kind of schedule it. I call it, we do self-care appointments. It's like, you can't miss this appointment. It's non-refundable. It's in your calendar. If someone says, can you hang out? You're like, no, I have an appointment and yeah. dedicating that time and building that time. So I love that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really great. I had something to add to that, but it slipped my mind now. So, <laughs> and so I know you travel so much, you know, that's a huge part of what you do and you help others really have that freedom. And so what kind of role do you think that travel and happiness plays in your life? Um, I think I learned more when I started. So I've been traveling full time for almost 10 years now, ever since I left that job when I was, you know, 20, whatever. And I have, I mean, I have 10 years of post-secondary education. I have a master's degree and a post-grad in coaching and all these different things. And I learned more from my time traveling than I ever learned in university, than I ever learned in my formal education. And that's one thing people so underestimate the value of taking yourself out of your own comfort zone And going to other countries, meeting other people, having new experiences, and releasing control. Most people are trying to control their lives all the time. Sorry, bad news, everyone. You don't actually have any control. Uh, You can create your life, but you're not in control of what happens outside of you. And so when people actually travel, they realize how little control they have. You know, even just being in transit, like you get stuck in airport delays and people lose, you, you lose your luggage and somebody, I don't know, drives over your sandwich, like whatever, like that's a stupid example, but you know, like shit happens when you travel and you have to learn extreme patience. Traveling literally, you know, 10 months of the year. I used to be in the luxury travel industry when I first left that job and I was traveling 10 months of the year. Every second day I was in a different hotel in a different city. And I was bopping around from seven or eight countries pretty much all year, every year. The amount of meditation skills that I learned standing in lineups while there were screaming babies and no food for hours and delays and six hours on the tarmac and 43 hours in an airport and blah, blah, blah. Even just the act of being in transit taught me so much about meditation and about being the home and the calm within myself in the middle of chaos. And what I, what I know for all successful people is it's not about how much you can control your environment and how much you can organize your life and systemize and put everything into these beautiful little boxes. It's how much calm you can maintain and how much action you can continue to take in the midst of the chaos that's happening because it's never going to stop. That's the skill that travel taught me that has been absolutely 
priceless in my business. Mm-hmm. And I love traveling for that reason. Cause yeah, I'm someone who was super, super controlling, especially, you know, and it manifests in different ways in my life, but yeah, around food and money and all these things and travel really puts a huge change of perspective. And it's like, you change your environment and you change how you think about things and yeah, releasing so much of that control. So people who are even wondering what is that next step for me, sometimes going on a trip, people joke about, you know, going and leaving your job and like going on a trip and having a whole, yeah, an eat, pray, love moment. But sometimes you need to do that to kind of get out of your head and out of your environment and, you know, relinquish some of that control to find out what is really meaningful to you and what you really want to do. And the people that you meet and the cultures you experience along the way will be a really powerful mirror. And I think that's one of the reasons people say, you know, finding yourself when you travel, you are always there. You just couldn't see you because you were so wrapped up in all the things you thought you should be doing. When you're in a totally different environment that's not imposing those same shoulds on you, uh, the realizations that people have about themselves, it's like you don't even have to do anything. You're just in a different environment released from the tethers that hold you to your own beliefs. And magic just starts to happen simply because you are in a different place and you're being challenged. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. I could not agree more with that. And with that, you know, the theme of my podcast is weighing in on happy. And so if you had to weigh in on one thing that you think either makes yourself happy or other people happy, obviously it's a very subjective question. Um, But what would you say that is? I'm going to go the scientific route with you here again on this, Victoria, because to a lot of people, happiness, happiness means a lot of different things, obviously, to a lot of people. And for some people, it means money and success and being able to come and go as they want. At least that's what people think it is. In my experience, what happiness means to most people is feeling valued, feeling loved and feeling accepted. And so I see the best way to be happier as actually learning to feel accepted and meaningful every day. And that's where the evidence practice, like I get so much happiness from my evidence practice. Even though I didn't take over the world today, I did the micro action to get to that macro goal. And to me, that creates happiness. Happiness, of course, and that being said, I think for every single person, like happiness is really being aligned with yourself. Happiness is being in flow. It's It's acting in integrity with your own beliefs. Everything from the kind of work you want to be doing to the type of people you want to work with, to the environment you want to live in, to how you want to get ready every morning. When you can get clear on what those things are and line those things up, it's the little things like that half hour that you have in silence in the morning to drink your tea and write your gratitude journal. It's that 30 minutes at the end of the day where you sit down and you write out the evidence of, of why you're killing it today or why you've made, made growth and progress. Growth, I think, is happiness and seeing the results of that. Um, and in order to grow, it's a practice of consistently realigning and, and deepening your alignment and understanding of who you are and what you want and how you want to live. The people who are unhappy, from what I see, are the people who are um, either not clear on what that integrity is, they don't actually know what's in and out of alignment with themselves, Or they have a lot of fear that holds them back from, to give you an example, so many people come to me and they say, Kate, I'm talking to you because I don't know what I want to do with my life. And then we're 10 minutes into the conversation and it's like, fuck girl, we know exactly what you don't want to do with your life. There's just some stuff in the way. 
you're scared. You don't know that you can do it. You don't believe you can have it. You're really overwhelmed. You don't know how you create the time and the money. Who the fuck's going to pay me to do this? Am I an expert? Do I know enough? All of these things. And so I think happiness means getting uncomfortable and being honest with yourself about what you really want and then taking micro action that's aligned with yourself every single day until you wake up living a life that you'd never thought was possible for you one year, three year, five years, 10 years down the track. Yeah. I love that. And so with that said, that is what you help people do. You help people get clear on that path and find that freedom and, you know, really set up in a, a life that is feeling good for them. So where can people find you so that they can learn more about that? People can head to katerich.com, K-A-I-T, only because it's Caitlin, but only when I'm in trouble. So katerich.com uh, or Instagram, which is The Rich Coach. And we are putting on a whole series of free events across Canada, Australia, and Bali over the next couple of months. So as well as online, we also run some online workshops. So if you're interested in coming in for free and getting a little bit of guidance to imagine what that life can look like and what those first steps are, uh, me and my team would love to offer you some of our time. Amazing. You guys need to absolutely go and check Kate out. She is phenomenal and you will learn and gain so much from her. So thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Victoria. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Kate. I love how much actionable advice she gave and I really hope you're able to implement that into your own life. If you enjoy this episode as much as I did, then I invite you to please rate and review. It really helps me out. And additionally, even sharing with a friend or someone you know who think would enjoy this episode, that would mean the world to me. As I mentioned before, I'm an intuitive eating coach, which means I help women stop food fear and guilt so that they can eat effortlessly and intuitively. So if you want more information on that, on my one-on-one coaching program, please check out my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Victoria Evans Official, where I'm extremely active there. And finally, you can also join my free Facebook group, which is Intuitive Eating Support Group for Badass Women. All right, you guys. Until next week, I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye.